0: Good morning. Amazingly, it is Sunday, the 3rd of May, 2020. It seems like a very long time ago that we were last here, live and person in the flesh in the middle of March this very year. But things remain the same. We remain isolated. We remain under the banner of COVID-19. But regardless, separated from one another, we still take this time to stop, to come together, and to worship God wherever you're from, Balan Hinch, Northern Ireland, or even further afield, you're welcome. We begin our service of worship this morning with words of prophecy from Genesis chapter 49. Jacob calls his sons together, and here is what he says about Judah. Judah is a lion's cub. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. We know that these words pointed forward to the day that Christ would come. As we have heard just last week in the book of Revelation, Jesus is the lion of Judah and the one who is worthy to open the scroll. Friends, today, He is worthy to receive our praise. And so we gather to sing on to his wonderful name. As we have sung God's praise, so we bow again before him in prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, as we bow before you this morning, we acknowledge you again as the triune God. One God, three persons, all equal, the God of our salvation. Heavenly Father, Blessed Son and Eternal Spirit, we adore you this morning as one being, one essence, one God in three distinct persons, And we praise you for bringing sinners like us to this wonderful knowledge of who you are and bringing us by faith into your kingdom. Father, you have loved us and you have sent Jesus to redeem us. Jesus, you have loved us and you have assumed our nature. You have taken on flesh and you have shed your own precious blood to wash away our sins. And you have worked righteousness to cover our unworthiness. Holy Spirit, you have loved us and you have entered our hearts and you have implanted there eternal life and you have revealed to us the glories of Jesus. three persons, and one God, we bless and praise you. We do this for your unmerited love towards us, a love so unspeakable and so wondrous and so mighty to save the lost such as we were. And we thank you for this love that doesn't leave us as we are, but we are being sanctified every day by your truth. And we are going to glory. We will be raised again to life everlasting. Father, we thank you this morning that in the fullness of your grace, you have given us to Jesus to be his sheep, to be his jewel, to be his portion. And Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning in the fullness of your grace that you have accepted us. You have bound yourself to us. Today we are in Christ. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that in the fullness of your grace, you have shown us Jesus as the rock of our salvation. You have planted faith within us. You have subdued our stubborn hearts and you have made us one with Christ forever. Father, you are enthroned on high to hear our prayers. Lord Jesus, your hand is outstretched to us this morning to take our petitions. Holy Spirit, you are willing to help us today in our weakness, to show us our need, to supply words to us as we do not know how to pray, to pray within us and to strengthen us so that we would not drop or faint on the walk that we are taking. Lord God, you are three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have commanded the universe, and today you have called us to come to worship. Lord, what a privilege it is to be called children of God. What a delight it is to know the things of God as our eyes have been opened to the things of Almighty God. Father, hear us as we pray today. And although we are divided from one another by distance, so again, we raise our voices using the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Good morning, boys and girls. Good to see you. Hello, hello, hello. It is me, it is me, it is Scott, ah, 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 T. Come off the sofa, boys and girls. Put down your brother. Put away the cat. Come a wee bit closer to the iPad or the TV screen because it is that time again, the moment you've all been waiting for. It is the children's address. Good to see you, boys and girls. Unfortunately, you're not here at church with me. Unfortunately, you're not just down there in the carpet. We're not meeting each other face to face. We're still separated, but... That's okay, because you're there, I am here, and I've got something to tell you. See, a couple of weeks ago, boys and girls, we started learning about a book called Revelation. And I taught you a very fancy word, and boys and girls, I have challenged you to to open the cupboard doors, to open the curtains, to open the car door, whatever thing you're opening, I've challenged you to do it and to shout, apocalypsis. It's a fancy word, boys and girls, and it simply means... Something has been revealed. And so the book of Revelation is the apocalypse of John. God has revealed something to us that is wonderful in this book. And so, boys and girls, your challenge still stands. Every time you open the door, every time you pull the curtains, I want you to shout on three, one, two, three. There you go. A bit of stinking nose this morning, boys and girls. Apocalypses. Apocalypses. And if your mom says, "My child, why are you saying that?" I want you to reply, "Because, mother, it means that something has been revealed." My next question would be, "Why are you speaking like that, considering you're from Balnainch?" But nevertheless, we'll not dwell on that too much. Apocalypse. Something has been revealed. Now, boys and girls, last time out. What we discovered had been revealed was that Jesus was in heaven. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We had a little visitor here. Her name was Queen Eden of Grove. And I'm glad to say, boys and girls, that she is back home just with a few bumps and bruises after her attempt to fly through the sky. But she's not our queen. Jesus is our king. And we know where he is. He is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Now, boys and girls, today I want us to think about something that Jesus is called in the book of Revelation. Last time out, we heard Jesus referred to as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And maybe, boys and girls, you put on your fancy voice again and you phoned your auntie and you said, auntie, what did Mr. Woodburn mean when he said that Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah? And your auntie, who's a bit common, says, why are you talking like that? Leave me alone. I'm watching Oprah. Boys and girls, never worry about your auntie. I'm going to tell you today what we mean when we say that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. This morning you may have noticed that me, Mr. Woodburn Scotty Dog, is looking a little bit smoother. I have cut my hair, boys and girls, this week. Look at that funny shaped head, but it's smooth. A wee two all over, but not my beard, boys and girls. I promise that I'm not going to cut this off until we're all back together here in Eden Grove. And my wee beard this morning helps me explain what we mean when we say that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Because, boys and girls, if I do this, what do I look like? Roar. <laughs> Roar! what do I look like, boys and Good morning, boys and girls. My name is Rex the Lion. And I'm sorry that Scott has run away because I really wanted to speak to him about what we mean when we say that Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It all begins, boys and girls, in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 49, we meet someone called Jacob. Jacob has a son called Judah. And one day Jacob calls all his sons together to bless them. Judah is brought before Jacob, and Jacob tells him that Judah is like a lion's cub. Roar! Yes, boys and girls, Judah is a lion's cub, and Judah would have all his brothers praising him, that Judah would defeat his enemies, that Judah would be the king forever, and that one day all the people would be obedient to Judah. Now, boys and girls, Judah never saw any of this coming true. But one day, a descendant of Judah was born. Boys and girls, a descendant is a member of our family. And so you, boys and girls, are a a descendant of your grandparents. And you're a descendant of your mom and dad. You're in their family. You're part of their family tree. And so one day, boys and girls, Jesus was born. Jesus was part of Judah's family. Judah was his great, 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 well, lots of greats. And so the promises that were made about Judah came true in jesus people would praise jesus even though he was crucified he would destroy his enemies jesus today is the king of kings and the lord of lords he rules today and the scepter will never depart from jesus and boys and girls one day when jesus comes back all the peoples of the world will be obedient to jesus Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And just like a lion, Jesus is strong, Jesus is mighty, Jesus is majestic, and Jesus is fierce against his enemies. But Jesus loves and protects those people who have trusted in him. And so, boys and girls, If you ever wonder why Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, you look at Genesis 49, the story of Jacob blessing Judah and speaking about Jesus. Jesus today still is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And because we trust him, then we need never be afraid. Boys and girls, God bless you. And maybe one day... I'll see you again. Boys and girls, uh, we'll talk again next week. Uh, maybe what we'll do just now is, is, is sing. This song's about how we're not to build our house on the sandy land. Boys and girls, we'll sing and we'll praise God together.
1: One, two, three, four. One, two.
0: Friends, we turn to God's Word now. Please open up your Bible. Uh, this morning we are in Revelation chapter 6 as we take a little walk through uh, the book of Revelation. I just remind you what we're doing between ourselves and La Sarah Presbyterian out at Crossgar there. Uh, I'm preaching every week. Alan Burke, the minister there, is also preaching every week. And so on the Lord's Day, you have two sermons. Alan will be preaching from one of the passages that he has looked at throughout the course of the week in our devotions. And I'll be working our way through the book of Revelation, which we look at on Saturday each week in our devotions. So go and watch Alan this morning as well, or watch him tonight before you go to your bed. Enjoy him. Uh, he's a, a good young man, and we're excited that he has come to our presbytery and pray that he is in Cross Guard for many, many years. So go and, and listen and be encouraged by what he has got to say. Uh, but here we are in Revelation 6. Open it up with me, if you would. In chapter 1 of Revelation, we meet the glorified Christ. He is dressed as our great high priest. He is amongst his bride, the church, In chapter 2 and 3, he writes to the seven churches uh, that we are famous in in the book of Revelation. And then as we heard last week in Revelation 4 and 5, we get a vision of the heavenly throne room and the Lord is there and the church is there and all creation is represented there and they're singing and praising God, but there's a scroll that must be opened. It's got seven seals on it. It's completely sealed. Who is worthy to open it? The Lamb of God is worthy. The Lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. The Root of Jesse is worthy. And that's Jesus. And so Jesus takes this scroll filled with history, filled with what must take place between his ascension and his second coming. And in Revelation 6, that scroll begins to be opened and revealed to us. So we look in Revelation 6 this morning, and this is the Word of God. Now I watched when the Lamb opened one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures say with a loud voice like thunder, come, and I looked, and behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come, And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come. And I looked and behold, a black horse. And its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth scene I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the Word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord holy and true The full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone slave and free hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Calling to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Amen. And we thank God for his word. When is all of this going to come to an end? When will our Prime Minister stand in front of the cameras and tell us that the lockdown is over? That COVID-19 has been healed? That we have found a vaccine that there's nothing else to worry about? Even if it returns, we're in control. We've got this covered. When will the day come that life can go back to normal? Maybe you've wondered that. Maybe each and every day you expectantly log on to the computer to listen to what the Prime Minister has got to say to us today. Maybe day after day you're longing for good news. Maybe you're counting the moments to your holiday. You're wondering, will I get to go to that place that I've dreamt about? When will I get to go and see my parents again? When will I go and enjoy coffee and a bun with a friend again? When will that day come? My friends, I do not have an answer for that this morning. But I pray that if any good comes out of COVID 19, the good would be this that instead of longing for a day that may or may not come in the next few weeks or months, instead we will look to the day that is coming, the day that is spoken of in the pages of the scriptures the day that we will meet with Jesus, the day that all will stand before him. You see, a day is coming. A great and a terrible day is coming. And if any good comes out of this time of isolation where our days are limited, where our days and our plans are put on the shelf, then may this time give us a hunger and a thirst for the day that we will see Jesus. My friends, if anything, over these past few weeks, I hope that you, like me, have grown tired and weary of this world. We watch the news and it is bad. We stand outside our homes and we clap to encourage those who put their lives on the line for us. And then we hear, the latest text, the latest update to our WhatsApp group about that person we've been praying for and the news is not good, it isn't positive. May we grow weary of this world. May we grow weary of being fallen men and women living in a fallen world. May we grow tired of standing weeping in graveyards. May we grow tired of offering hope and support and prayers online. May we grow tired of this world. And may we long for the day that we see Jesus. A day is coming where all of Christ's enemies and arms will be put under his feet. And a day is coming that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. A day is coming when all things will be made new. May that day come And may it come soon. But my friends, today is not that day. Today, as you and I long for home, and long for the day that Christ comes to finish and complete his work, today we live in the not yet. Today we wait for his coming. Today we long expectantly for that day, but it is not yet. The book of Revelation speaks of the not yet in Revelation chapter 6. As you remember from last week, Jesus has taken the scroll out of the right hand of the Father, and he alone is worthy to open it, because he alone is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Lamb that was slain. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so the Lord Jesus Christ takes this scroll and he alone begins to open it. And as we mentioned last week, it is Jesus who unfolds the pages of history. These things must soon take place before the day will come. My friends, as Jesus opens the seven seals, he gives us a glimpse of what these days that we live in are like. These days are of trouble and trial and tribulation for everyone on this earth and for the church of Jesus Christ, but Jesus opens this scroll and gives us a heavenly perspective of what must come to pass. The scrolls are opened, and then later the trumpets will be blown, and then later still in this book the seven bowls of God's wrath will be poured out. Each of these judgments, the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, all speak of this period of the not yet. All of them give us a glimpse of what must take place before the end will come. Jesus opens the scroll and gives us that apocalypsis, that revealing of what these days are going to be like. And my brothers and sisters, they are going to be difficult days. I would love to stand before you this morning with a bright white smile and no gap between my front teeth and tell you with a fancy accent that everything's going to be okay, that everything's going to be all right in the morning, that as humanity we're moving toward a golden age where we will cure every disease and there will be no more trouble or turmoil or sin. I would love to tell you that that day is coming, but it will not come until Jesus returns. Humanity is fallen utterly, and you and I will not live to see a golden age where humanity will overcome all our problems. Until the day and hour that Jesus comes back, we will know toil and trouble. We should not be surprised. The Lord Jesus has told us exactly this in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 24 and verse 4 to 8. Jesus says, See that no one leads you astray. My friends, we do not live in a golden age. We live in days where we see the birth pains. We see creation groaning as it awaits the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the day and age that we live in. And thanks be to God, because in the book of Revelation, the Lord in his grace and in his mercy shows us what must come to pass so that you and I may not be alarmed. This was a book, a letter written to the churches. And long ago, the churches in Ephesus and Pergamum and all of these other places that we have met in chapter 2 and 3, this letter would have been read out in their earshot. And it was a letter of comfort to those men and women because they needed to hear comfort. They needed to hear of the heavenly realities that Christ was sovereign over all, that he was unfolding the pages of history. They needed to hear that they would not be swept away by the Roman Empire. They needed to hear that the Christian message would go forward and would have an impact. They needed a word of comfort. And my brothers and sisters, just as we too still live in that not yet period before Christ's return, we too need to hear that we will not be undone. We live in days of trouble. Christ has warned us of that and prepared us for that, and we should expect nothing less. And as he opens the seven seals of the scroll that he has taken from his Father's hand, we see what this time that we live in must be like. Jesus takes the scroll in chapter 6 and he opens the first four seals. And as he does so, we meet the famous four horsemen of the apocalypse. There are four of them because in the book of Revelation, when we speak of the number four, we think of all creation. We've already met the four living creatures. We think of the four points of the compass, and here are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Not literal horsemen. You will not see a a horse riding down the street one day with a, a king on it wielding a sword. But the Lord shows us here that the time that we live in will be times of trouble. And to give us a picture of that with vivid imagery and colors and horses, Jesus shows us what these days must be like. The first horseman comes. And John looks in verse 2, And behold, a white horse, and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him, and he came out conquering and to conquer. Here, the white horse symbolizes conquest. And we in Northern Ireland of all places are familiar with that imagery. Maybe on a gable wall in the state that you live or in the town that you're from, maybe once upon a time you remember seeing a king on a white horse. I forget that guy's name, but I'm pretty sure that he has made a big deal off in these parts. When we think of a white horse, we think of war, we think of conquest. And here the Lord shows us what must take place. We will live in days where there will be wars and rumours of wars. The wars will come and the wars will go. And just when we think that it's the war to end all wars, another conflict will rear its ugly head. The Lord shows us here and as John sees the white horse, its rider has a bow, a crown, and he comes out to conquer and to conquer, conquering and to conquer. And on his heels comes, in verse 3, another horse. This one is bright red, verse 4. And its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. On the heels of the white horse denoting conquest comes a red horse denoting bloodshed. And the rider of the white horse and the rider of the red horse come and they take peace from this earth. If we are longing and living for days of of peace and prosperity on this world, then we will be sadly disappointed. The Lord has told us, and he speaks a true word, that until he comes back there will be wars and rumours of wars. And he shows us exactly the same thing here in Revelation 6. Bloodshed and war, and after which comes scarcity and famine. In verse 5, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come, and I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And here John hears this voice which is telling him that the prices have gone up something like an 800% increase and the rider comes on a black horse with scales in his hand and scarcity comes on the heels of war and famine comes on the heels of bloodshed and difficulties and problems come in in these days that we live in my brothers and sisters we do not need to use our imaginations too much to imagine these days rumors came just weeks ago about the pandemic and what happened Many of us got ourselves down to Iceland and B&Q and B&M and all these other places and we fought the bit out. We were wrestling our dolls to the ground for the last packet of toilet rolls. Jesus tells us here, these will be days that you will live in with war and rumour of war and bloodshed and scarcity and famine. And you and I here in Northern Ireland are richly blessed. We cannot complain too much at all about the times and the places that we live in. But the reality for most of the world and the reality for most of the Christian church is that these things are a day-to-day reality in their lives as they live through this period of the not yet. And just as scarcity comes, And the basic staples of life rise up in price. Well, the fourth seal is opened in verse 7. The fourth living creature urges John to come. And in verse 8, he looks and beholds a pale horse. Pale, the color of sickness, illness, and death. This rider's name was death. And Hades followed him. They were given authority over a fourth of the earth. To kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. My friends, the four seals are open. The four horsemen ride forward to the four corners of the earth. Biblically speaking, when we think of horses, we think of uh, animals that go to war. These are times of difficulty that we live in. And Jesus does not pull any punches here. He unfolds history in our eyes and in our ears. And he, he shows us what must take place before the end comes. And the picture is a difficult one. But my friends, let me explain to you what is going on here. Let me explain to you why, even as we read about these first four seals being opened and the terrible things that we see riding forth, let me explain why to you we do not need today to despair. Jesus tells us not to be alarmed, and I believe that is possible for us as we read these verses. You see, as Jesus sends forth the four horsemen of the apocalypse, it is limited, providential, judgment. It is limited providential judgment. Notice that the the number given to be killed on the earth is is a fourth of the earth. It is limited. Notice that the oil and the wine in verse 6 are not to be harmed. It It is limited. Notice here that these riders come forward at the command of Christ. It is a limited providential judgment upon this earth. And all of it points us to the fact and to the truth that we are living in time that is short. We're living in days that are running out. See, my friends, today I do not want us to despair because we look at the state of the world and we think, what is this world coming to? Today I I don't want us to run and hide under the bed as if a, a great lion is prowling about our house wanting to eat us up. Today I want us to lift our eyes to the heavens and to know that it is the lion of the tribe of Judah who is in control. That evil is on a leash, that it cannot win and there is a purpose in the judgment of God that is being poured out upon this earth. There was a purpose for it when the Christians first heard this letter read all those years ago, and there is a purpose for it still to this day. This world is fading away. This world cannot last. And each of the troubles described for us here in this book give us a little glimpse of the day that is to come. What do we make of a pandemic? What do we consider when we hear of an earthquake? What is our thoughts when we see the latest pictures from a war zone? What goes through our mind when we hear of famine and scarcity in some far remote part of the world? My friends, these things are supposed to be. We live in this fallen and broken world. And as the four horsemen ride forward and show us the damage that they do every single day, they are little glimpses of what is to come and they are little cries in this world to wake up, to wake up. Some of us listen to Boris Johnson and we wonder, will I get to go on my holiday? Some of us listen to Donald Trump And we wonder, should I go and buy 17 liters of Dettol? No, you shouldn't. Some of us look for the answers in politicians and in mortal men who cannot save. And some of us just cross our fingers and hope for the best and pray that everything will just pass over us and that we can get back to normal, back to building our own little kingdoms and empires on this earth. But my friends, it cannot stand as these riders go forward, as these colours give us images of things that are, are blighting this world and afflict this world, as we see them sent forth by Christ, as we realise that we have come onto the judgement of an almighty and holy God, may these things cause us to pause and to stop and to consider where we stand with Jesus because a day is coming, a day is coming that will make COVID-19 Look like a walk in the park with your granny. A day is coming that will make the brutality of war seem like jelly and ice cream on your birthday. What will you do in these days? As you watch the bad news piled upon the bad news, what will you do in these days? My friends, I pray that for those of you outside of Christ, that you will turn to him. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. A day is coming. And Today the Lord calls upon you to understand the times that you live in, and instead of trusting in Boris or Donald, to lift your eyes to the Lamb that was slain. In Acts chapter 17, we read this The times of ignorance God has overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. My friends, I told you just a few weeks ago that Christ was raised from the dead. I made it clear looking at this very camera, looking at this uh, very empty church, that, that the tomb was empty, that Jesus was alive forevermore. Jesus has been raised from the dead and this same Jesus will one day judge the world in righteousness. One day all pandemics and wars and famines and scarcity will be put under his feet. One day you will either be on his right or you will be on his left. One day you will see Jesus And when that day comes what will you have done with him here in the not yet a day is coming no doubt that covid 19 will end but if we believe that it will be the last pandemic if we believe there will never be another war if we believe that there will never see another famine more scarcity, more destruction and bloodshed and heartache, if we believe we will never stand in a graveyard ever again, then we are fools. Jesus opens the scroll and shows us the period of time in which we live. He does it again with the seven trumpets, he does it again with the seven bowls, and every single one of them show us that we are living in days of trouble and trial and tribulation. Do not miss the grace of the Lord, as He speaks to us in the midst of this and tells us, "A day is coming, and therefore trust the Lamb that was slain. Be saved this day, repent of your sins and be ready for the great day that lies ahead. A day is coming. And thanks be to God, because when that day comes, the church of Jesus Christ will be with Jesus forevermore. It isn't that way at the minute. Today, as a believer, I stand and I preach here as part of the church militant, the church here on earth. And we know that many of our brothers and sisters have gone on before us, and they have joined the choirs of angels in heaven as part of the church triumphant. And as the fifth seal is open, we see the church. Verse 9, the fifth seal is open. And John looks and he sees under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And they reached, given a white robe, and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete, who were to be killed as they themselves had been. John looks and he sees the horsemen riding forward. He sees the trouble and strife that is in this time of not yet and he also sees the reality that the church will be despised on this earth until Jesus comes back. I know in the West, we are slowly but surely realizing that we are not that popular. We had bought into the notion that that we were part of the Christian West, Christendom, that the church of Jesus Christ would have a say and would have an influence in this world, that we would always be respected and and feared and, and always have our place in society. And more and more and more, we realize and we see that that is not the case. Slowly but surely, we are catching up with the rest of our brothers and sisters in Christ who worship in places where they are not welcome. They worship in places where even their church buildings are knocked down with a minute. They worship in places where they have to whisper to one another for, for fear of being overheard. They cannot read their Bibles or preach it openly the way you and I can. They cannot dream of getting onto Facebook today and preaching the gospel the way that you and I can. Here John sees, as the fifth seal is opened, that we live in the days of not yet, and they are days of persecution for the church of Jesus Christ. My brothers and sisters, do not be surprised when you are overcome by various kinds of trials. Do not be surprised, as Jesus has told us, when the world hates you because it has hated him first. Do not be surprised. When we are silenced, when we are told that history is moving on without us, that that we need to follow the script, we need to get with the program. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, when we see more and more opposition to the work of the gospel. John looks and sees the martyrs, sees the men and women of the faith who have lost their lives under the boot of Rome for the sake of the gospel. Nothing has changed. Christians to this very day still are losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. But even in this, there is grace and there is comfort. Because these saints who have died have come to life again and they reign with Jesus for a thousand years. These Christians are in glory with Jesus and they have been given white robes to wear. And they cry out to Jesus, how long before the day of judgment? How long before that day comes? How long before you avenge our blood and those who dwell on the earth? And the answer, of course, is soon. The day is coming soon. But here in verse 11, they are told that they're told to to rest a little while longer until the full number is brought in. My friends, what we see here in these days of not yet is that Jesus continues to reign over his church. Jesus continues to defend his church. Jesus continues to gather his church. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah, remains for his church. And so even if we are to live in days where we are threatened and controlled by this world and we are told to be quiet and to not mention the name of Jesus, even if those are the days that we are living in, we can stand firm with confidence knowing that he is for us. And we do not fear those who can kill the body, but instead we fear the Lord. My friends, the picture given here is not this joyous one it's not one that, that perhaps famous American preachers want to tell you about but it is the word of God and as Revelation 6 unfolds we see the words of Jesus again coming true do not be surprised these things must take place these birth pains must happen Kingdom and nation will rise against one another. There will be famines and earthquakes. All of these are but the beginning of the birth pain, says Jesus. And to us in 1 Peter 1, he speaks and he says to believers, even though these are days of difficulty and trial and extraordinary trouble in this world, in this we rejoice. Even though for now... uh, For a little while, if necessary, we have been grieved by various kinds of trials. And my brothers and sisters, you know what it is to be grieved by various kinds of trials. Some of you today are going through the heartache of of relationships falling apart. Some of you are worried sick about your children and, and about the illnesses that they carry and you carry. Some of you today understand what it is to worry about the future for you and your work prospects and your job. Some of you have just this deep cloud of depression over you, worried about just this world and where it is going to. Jesus says to us, have been grieved by various kinds of trials the lord knows this he is for his church but the good purpose of this is so that the tested genuineness of our faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ My brothers and sisters, I do not stand before you as a man that thinks he has all the answers because I surely do not. And much has happened in our church and in your lives and in this world and in the lives of my friends that I do not understand. I have stood more often than not in graveyards like the one we have got just here and I really do not know why things have happened the way they've happened. But well, today, even at times in my own belief, I look to Jesus and I say, Father, I believe. Help my own belief. The Lord has a purpose. In these days of not yet. In these days of difficulty. The Lord is a purpose. You see, we all are moving towards a conclusion. I know the conclusion that we long for at the minute is the day that Boris gets on the microphone and says, back to work, everybody. Get up to Port Stewart, everybody. Get the towels out, everybody. It's, It's all over. I know we long for that day. But the conclusion that we look to biblically is not that day but it is the day that is revealed as the sixth seal is open. Revelation 6 comes to a close as John looks in verse 12 and the sixth seal is open and there is a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth and the full moon became like blood and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale the sky vanished like a scroll that has been rolled up and every mountain and island was removed from its place Here is where history is moving towards. The next great event in human history is the return of Christ. It hasn't happened yet, and there are difficult days until he comes, but make no mistake, he is coming. Notice that on this day, everyone in every corner of society, the great and the good and the mighty and the powerful, all the way down to the slave in the street, everyone who has not done business with the Lamb is, sees this as a day of terror. They call upon the mountains to fall on them and, and to hide them from the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb of God. My friends, this day is coming. Evil is not winning. This world has been put on notice by the resurrection of Christ and by the judgments that burn across this world. In every earthquake, in every war, in every famine, in every pandemic, we are given little glimpses of that day which is to come. We are tra- the Lord is trying to, to show us and to shake us from our lethargy and our slumber. That day is coming for the one who is outside of Christ. A day is coming. A day of wrath. A day of terror. A day of torment. My friends, make no mistake about it. You need to be ready for that day. But for the Christian, a day is coming. A day is coming when our tears will be wiped away. A day is coming when there will be no more parting. A day is coming where we will be reunited with loved ones in the faith who have gone on before. A day is coming where all our enemies and Christs will be put under his feet. A day is coming that we will see Jesus. Long ago, the Heidelberg Catechism asked the question, what comfort is it to you that Christ is coming? And the answer is what I share with you today, my brothers and sisters, in these days of not yet. May we hear this And may we pray this, and may we believe it. What comfort is it to you that Christ is coming? That in all my sorrows and persecutions, with uplifted head, I look for Jesus, the one who offered himself for me to the judgment of God. The one who removed all the curse from me. I look to Jesus to come as judge from heaven. Who shall cast all of his and all of my enemies into everlasting condemnation. But shall take me with him and all his chosen ones to himself in the heavenly joy and glory. My brothers and sisters, not yet, but a day is coming. Amen.
1: I will feel
0: Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father, and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with us all this hour and forevermore. Amen.